0: the Something's Brewing podcast episode 63. 63! The Brad Marshawn episode. Who Um, else? Who else but Brad Marshawn for
1: 63? I didn't even bother looking up the numbers because there's only one true 63 and that's Brad Marshawn. Has anybody else ever anybody notable like in any other sport ever made ever worn 63 because that's such a random number. When we were in the locker room yesterday uh, Baroni pulled out a jersey number number 63 and I was like (laughs) <laughs> what a random ass – why the hell would you wear a 63? Could you just pick a number out of a hat? And then I was like, oh, wait, Brad Marshawn. He's 63. <laughs> like That's such a random number to have. Uh, in Bruins history, the number
0: 63 has been worn by three players. Um, none before the year 2001. The only other two players who wore 63, Patrick Travers and Matt Herr. Oh,
1: of, who could forget? Her? yeah of course. Yeah, who could, who could who could ever forget her? I I'll never forget her. <laughs> I will never ever forget her. I feel like maybe 63 was a number that uh like Marshawn got as a rookie and was just like ah, I'll keep it. Like uh what like, like, what, what What number was Lučić? Wasn't he like 67 or something random? I think he was
0: either high 60s or he was in the low 70s. Oh, oh wait, wait, was it 72? No, I I thought 72 as well, but he's not 72. Um he was 62. Was it 62? It was 62. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, Oscar Steen episode. But, <laughs> um, but, um, yeah. Welcome back, everybody, to the show. Um, hashtag never forget her. Um, but <laughs> the Boston Bruins, um, since the last time we recorded, have played two regular season games. Um, an undefeated team. They've That's never crazy. lost. The Bruins That's, have never lost.
1: They picked up where they left off last year, man. It's, uh, they have, uh, I think now they're, they have the second best record in the league because I think uh, Vegas is three and zero right now. But I was gonna say, you know what I like for all the slack that NHL like their website and their app gets, rightfully so because the app, the the user interface on the NHL app is like, dude, it's trying hard. to assemble. It's like trying to assemble origami. It makes absolutely <gasps> no sense. But looking at the NHL's website, they updated the Bruins logo to their centennial logo, <clears throat> so that's pretty cool to see. But wait, hang on quickly. I wanted to do this before we started, yeah. but I thought I would wait so we can give a little bit of ASMR. I have a beer here. but And also, I can finally drink my pumpkin beer and not have to worry about um, like the All repercussions. The slander. All the slander. Looked, yeah, it's like suddenly I'm tweeting about my pumpkin beers and I'm not getting boosy and a thousand other people telling me I'm weird as shit. I am weird as shit, but there's a million other reasons why. <laughs> Although, uh, shameless plug, I went to Idlewild the other day and They had holiday uh, ciders already in stock. So, of course, I bought one. It's pretty good. Okay, but this is a a, a pumpkin beer, of course, with vanilla beans, spices, and maple syrup. From Night Shift Brewing. All right. All right, ready? Listen, ready? Listen.
0: (laughs) That was the crispiest can opening
1: of all time. I'm not even lying. Just wait for it. Hang on. Here it goes in the mason jar because all my cups are dirty. (laughs) I swear that's beer. That's not me pissing.
0: (laughs) Uh, The sweet smell of pumpkin beer. I hope everybody's getting thirsty listening to this.
1: dude and it's ice cold all right i'm gonna have to wait a half hour for this to settle because i i poured it from really high to get a nice sound <laughs> and this whole thing is foam look at it <laughs> <laughs> It's half foam. all
0: right and now i guess it's my turn too to show shout out to all you uh canadians out there i picked up a case of uh, Labatt blue and oh my god guys what a beer so here we you go know,
1: i don't think i've ever had oh sorry that was crispy
0: what a, a way to start moment. the show, and what a way to start the season. We should start every episode like this. We should, Hey, hey a beer for each of us, one beer each, that's two. Two beers for two words.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we might not be the smartest, but we always get there eventually.
0: It's yeah. <laughs> just a bunch of word jargon. <laughs> this, is the, this is the weirdest start to an episode that we've ever had.
1: Can you believe that both of us went to college? <laughs> Can you believe that both of us graduated high school? Because I can't. Oh, man. I, it, I, sometimes I wake up and I still can't believe it. <laughs> 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 All
0: right, let's get into some bees Get back to the
1: Bruins, man. <laughs>
0: so, hey, hey, as we sip, you know, our drinks, I hope you guys crack one open two to drink with us. Um, I want to touch on one thing. I think I said last episode that I was excited for the season to start at least seven times. And I want to... Um, Blame all the spiked Arnold Palmer's that I drank because I I I re-listened I re- to the episode. And I said it like seven times, like how pumped up I was.
1: Dude, you were excited, and a lot of times too. Like when you and I talk, like. We just kind of riff back and forth. We never know how the sentence is gonna end. It just ends eventually. And as you're double fisting some labats, I love it. <laughs> um, but like there were so so many times during that episode I was talking and like as I'm talking, I'm watching you get visually more and more excited, and there was a couple times you like literally started like convulsing like you're like pulsating in your chair like like raising your arms and i was like oh my god you have a did something happen you have a point and you're like no i'm just really excited for tomorrow I, dude, like, I know well, oh. dude,
0: it's uh it's the best time of the year hockey's back you know i've i've spent every night watching some kind of you know either either hometown game college game out of market game but what do you think about the bruins start so far this year obviously the bruins had um that win against chicago opening night What of the night um obviously the Bruins bringing out the uh, you know all the legends they, they had that you know kind of ceremony before puck drop where you saw all the legends come out um you know uh, everybody uh even even the players who passed away they had their family you know family members of, of um, them come by wearing their jersey representing them um, in their time in Boston but I mean the Bruins Bruins got there they opened the season with a win three to one over Chicago. And then they um, took down the Preds as well. Three to two. What do you, what do you think?
1: I got to ask before I get into that, what was it like to be in this, in the garden opening night of the centennial season? It must've been electric in there when they're bringing out all the legends. What was it like to be there?
0: Dude? Well, first of all, shout out to Tess because what a, what a, what a a godsend. She couldn't get a third ticket or what? (laughs) <laughs> no, well, we were already in the area and we were about to head back. And we and I was like, man, the Bruins tonight, like opening season. And we were like, let's just check tickets. And uh, we checked them 100, $106, dude, for wow. opening night tickets. Um, About an hour and a half before the game. But being in the building for that, dude, I, I mean, you just, I mean, you saw a hundred years of history in the building all at once celebrating um, what is Boston hockey and and everything that that team has meant to the city forever. And just seeing everybody there was insane. Definitely a once in a lifetime experience. Obviously that's never going to happen again. Um, but seeing Tim Thomas there, Thomas electric dude. Um, good to see him back in Boston. Phyllis Esposito by the way, is in his eighties. Dude looks like he's in his fifties. He looks great. He looks like he, he could go out there and skate a little bit right now. I know, dude. I mean, I, I wish he could, but he it, it looks great. Um, it, it was just overall a great experience. Um, there were a lot of people there, too. I know Chris Davis was there. I didn't get to catch up with him. I did meet, however, uh, Mr. Boston Bruins down no, man, uh, on the, yeah, in yeah, down in the concourse.
1: Awesome guy, awesome guy. How is his how is his fit looking? Because he tweeted a picture oh, of when he was so sick, to the dude. game. It was it so amazing. sick. <laughs> he's he's so funny. I always love to the mailman talk when he joins our uh, our Twitch streams. Yeah, that's funny. But um. No, I mean, I thought it was it was a good game. Um, I had a point to make about them. Oh, yeah. I thought it was cool too. how uh, in some instances, like players who have passed, uh, like their kids came out like (laughs) like I was watching with my uh, with my family and uh, they they said, you know, number two, Eddie Shore. And out comes this guy. And my mom's like, oh, my God, he he doesn't look that old and they were like oh this is eddie represented by eddie shore's son and the guy's like in his early 70s and i was like, <laughs> yeah, like he's like 130 if he was still alive <laughs> yeah. there was a couple of occasions that were like that but i thought it was cool and especially like when they zoomed out and you kind of got the whole scene of like bergeron was standing next to char at center ice yep. it was really cool to see sean thornton back this is probably the first time tim thomas has stepped foot in the garden yeah. since yeah. He, he, you know, his last game played here in Boston. So that was cool. I thought on the other side, I don't know if you saw, um, on like Twitter after, or sorry on X after, mm-hmm. um, but Nick Felino stayed on the, on the bench and watched the entire ceremony, which I thought was really cool. You and I were talking last episode about, um, if like taylor hall or nick felino if they were going to get some sort of like (laughs) like video or something and like halfway through the first period you sent me a picture of they they had like a graphic on like the jumbotron where they had like a quick little honor so i thought that was cool but uh the game itself like dare i say i thought it was a little boring at times i'm Mm -hmm. not gonna lie to you um i thought like I mean, I don't want to say that it's it's because of me, but like halfway through the first period, or it might have been halfway through the second, I said, David Pasternak doesn't have a single shot on a goal. And I only noticed that because I I threw down money that him and, Mc, and Bedard, I almost said McDavid. They might as well be McDavid with the amount of times they freaking <laughs> talk about this guy during the game, which we'll get to. But I put them both o- that they would have over three shots. And I was getting a little panic that it was we're entering the third period or whatever. And Pasta doesn't have a shot on goal yet, but... Uh, dude, that um, was it against Nashville? It was Nashville, the Nashville, the gross goal. But he had two oh. goals against Chicago. He yeah. played great. Um, I thought it was a pretty sound game from the Bruins overall. Nothing crazy. I know that they had some kinks to work out. They had like 10 new players or something like that. Um, yeah. I wanted to see how, Om- how Omar was going to look. He was going to carry over uh, the success of last season into this season. And I thought he looked really good. He looked yeah. really sad. The one goal that Chicago had, of course, uh, that Bedard scored, I thought, You know, tough break. The guy had a good wraparound. You could tell that Olmark wasn't ready for it. But uh, all in all, I mean, you can't complain about a 3-1 win on opening night to start your centennial season. You know, I mean, I would have preferred, like, a 5-0 beating. But at the end of the day, a win's a win, and I'll take it, you know?
0: Yeah, and and like you said, too, like, of course it's the Bruins that Conor gets his first goal. Um, There were a couple times, dude, and I was talking to Davis about this a little bit as well, but there were – I've never heard – Uh, an entire crowd react with like a, like a, Oh shit. Like, you know, kind of reaction to a, to a shot that missed the net. Connor Bernard came down, I believe it was in the second period, came down and just took like a quick little toe drag snapshot, missed the net. But, and I'm meanwhile, I'm sitting up on the balcony hits the glass and I swear my ears were ringing. It was the dude. It was the hardest shot I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, I feel like I remember that because, like, keep in mind, this is a kid who just turned 18 a couple of months ago. And, like, what he was doing on the ice was ridiculous. And it looked like at times he might have been getting a little frustrated because he couldn't move out there and do the things he's been doing in the WHL or wherever the hell he was playing last year. But I feel like I remember that because I remember saying to myself, he had this shot. It was, I think it was... Uh, when you're watching the game, it was when the Bruins were defending on the right side of the screen. So I believe that's what either the, the first or I don't know. doesn't matter. I'm not whatever. But anyways, it was, he, I remember he came down and he ripped it in the shot in the slot and he just missed the net and it hit the glass and you could hear it on TV. Like, Holy shit. This guy's got some power behind his shot, but, um, you know, I, I understand he's an all world talent and he's 18 and he just got drafted by a franchise that lost two stars. You know, major hockey franchise in Chicago, but dude, the glazing was insane. Yeah, like the not. and I know you weren't watching because you were there in person, but it was it was like it was insufferable, insufferable. You're watching a nationally televised game between the Boston Bruins, one of the the probably the four major powerhouse organizations in the entire sport, celebrating their centennial anniversary, the night of their the start of their hundredth season, and the entire broadcast was about Connor Bedard. Like even the graphics, like Connor Bedard got his first goal. They had like that it was control, crazy, but they they had the thing like chase. In greatness, Connor Bedard, one goal. Wayne Gretzky, like 894, whatever the hell he had. There, like they had Bergeron, Patrice Bergeron, former captain of the Bruins, one of the most beloved players in the history of the game, joined the booth. And they were they asked him one of the first questions they asked him, how do you think Connor Berdards look tonight? Like, uh. dude, it's it's this you're talking to one of the most important and influential Boston Bruins of all time on one of the most important nights of this organization's history, and you're asking him about. This 18-year-old killing the other. It was, it was insufferable. Every graphic was about Bedard. At the end of the first intermission, they spent about 15 of the 17 minutes talking about Connor Bedard. In in the middle of the game, they were talking about Bedard, between periods about Bedard. They interviewed him in the post-game about Bedard. You would have no idea that one of the most, and like I, I understand I'm a Bruins fan, so I have this point of view, but I feel like if it was like uh Montreal or Toronto or Detroit and it was the night of their you know centennial when all of these legends like you have all of these Bruins legends are under the same roof for the first time probably ever and like talk about that like that's what I want to hear about and I know I'm a Bruins fan but like I feel like the hockey fan you want to hear more about they're gonna get the next 20 years of coverage about Bedard you only get you only celebrate your centennial once like talk about that and that was driving me crazy the whole night
0: Yeah. And I mean, you're getting a guy in the booth and Patrice Bergeron who just retired, who just came off leading a team to the best NHL regular season of all time. And you're going to spend time talking about this rookie, Connor Bedard, who has, I don't know if the interview was after his goal or not, but still regardless, like who, who is just getting his feet wet in the league. Talk about, talk about the Bruins history. Talk about what it was like to experience 19 years of Boston Bruins culture leading yeah. that team to to so many winning seasons and so many successful playoff runs and playoff berths. And a Stanley Cup, while you have all these guys under the roof, talk about that. And you're right. Like, yes, this is coming from Bruins fans' perspectives, but at the same time, at least go 50-50. Like, you're, you're, if you have to talk about Bedard, I get it. That's fine. That's fair. He's going to be a generational talent. You should be talking about him. But also realize that, the way that you're doing it is turning people away because you're almost just suffocating people with 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 this one subject.
1: Yeah, and and like you said like obviously Connor Bedard is an all-world talent. They're going to talk about him and I want to hear about him. But like when when the the pregame show is not about the Bruins centennial or about this matchup. When the pregame show is how is Connor Bedard going to look in his first game, and then the first period, when the entire dialogue between the two people in the booth are all about Connor Bedard. There, there, there's a tracker over his head when he's on the ice. When there is a, a whistle, they cut to Connor Bedard sitting on the bench. About half a dozen times throughout the game, they're cutting to his family in the stands. We get it. Oh my God, we get it. It's his first game. We we all know who he is, so I I expect there to be coverage of Connor Bedard, and I expect them to talk about him quite a bit because what else does Chicago have going for him right now? But like when you take a step back as a hockey fan and you look at like the gravity of this game and what it means to the other franchise that Connor Medard is playing right now like you would think it would be heavily you know talked about the Bruins and about like you said Esposito's here Tim Thomas is back Bobby Orr is in the house Ray Bork is here Ray Bork yeah all, yeah all of these Bruins greats are here the Bruins are wearing their new jerseys never talked about them once they have all of these former Stanley Cup champions never talked about them once look up and look at the numbers hanging they had a whole ceremony for all the Bruins retired players, never talked about him once. The period ends, uh, it's one-one, and they spend the entire intermission talking about Bedard's goal. The Bruins end up winning, and they they spend the entire postgame talking about Connor Berdard. Like it was ridiculous, and even like I tweeted something like, you know, like you would never, uh, uh, like. I, like, you would never think that Chicago is playing another team right now because the entire broadcast is all about Chicago. It's insane. And a Columbus Blue Jackets fan liked my tweet. So that tells me that, okay, maybe some other people are agreeing with me who are watching this national broadcast. But, um, <clears throat> Uh, and then even the quote that Taylor Hall had yesterday or today, yeah, when yeah, asked yep. him about Connor Bedard, and he flat out said like it, it's getting a little ridiculous, like the the amount of coverage that Connor Bedard is getting right now, and like I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but he was basically alluding like you know I, I, it's it's probably upsetting Connor a little bit, like he understands why they're talking about him, but like you know like let's move past. It's almost like the Taylor Swift shit that's going on in the NFL right now, like all that. you hear from like. NFL, social media, and during the games is Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift. And it feels like if the Chicago Blackhawks are playing tonight, all you're going to see from NHL Twitter account is Connor Bedard clips, and all you're gonna see during the game is clips of like Bedard's family in the stands and about how Connor Bedard is turning this franchise around.
0: Hey, well, let's talk about another rookie right now because the the rookie on our team, oh. Matt Matt Patra, assists on the first goal of the um, of the regular season. Trent Frederick tip. Um, he's looked good, dude. And by the way, you fucking called it, dude. Give
1: me my. I had I didn't even remember that. I think I was at work or something and my dad texted me and he was like oh yeah like you called that and I was like I called what and he was like you said (laughs) you know you you called the I think I think all he said was you called the the uh Portugal and I was like no way what and I went back and listened and like I was like yeah the first school is gonna be uh Patra from Trent Frederick and I was like no way so I had to I had to get a clip of it and tweet it out No, no no you said Frederick
0: from Patra
1: Oh, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I couldn't believe it. That's the only time I've ever gotten anything right in my entire life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> maybe, we, maybe we really did graduate college. <laughs> um... But I mean, that whole game was good, dude. Matt Patra, obviously, a point in his um, in his NHL debut. Trent Frederick, I think he's going to break twenty this year. By I think he'll probably get twenty five. I think twenty five is a solid number for Trent Frederick this year. Um, who else going? He's oh, he's Luchy. on pace for
1: forty one right now.
0: Dude, yeah, Lucic, Lucic though. Lucic assists on Pasta's goal. Um, so he gets a point in his return to Boston as well. Um, talk about a guy too. That's another thing um, about being there in person. When he got introduced into the starting lineup, oh my God, the garden erupted. And you could tell because obviously they zoomed in on him. It, he was taking it to heart. You know, he was pounding his chest, raising his stick up in the air. Um, I, he, his, his, you know, Level of love for being back here is equal to, if not even more than how we all feel about him being back too.
1: Yeah, and it's and it's really cool because like across all Boston sports or New England sports, like you always hear stories about players who have played here for a long time and then leave, and they talk about how great it was. Like uh, like in the NBA, like Kevin Garnett, like he would always talk about like oh like I love my time in Boston. I wish I was a Celtic sooner. Like I wish I didn't wait until he was in his 30s to get traded here and like a lot of players who have spent a large chunk of their career in Boston and then leave have the same story and ever since lucic left the bruins he's always had it you know a special place for this team and for this city in his heart and he's talked about it when he was on calgary when he was in edmonton and like you it's so rare that you then get to see those people come back and play for your team again so to hear everything that lucic has been saying for the last seven years since he left the bruins or whenever it was and then everything leading up to when he did come back like you know as soon as a free agency opened, and he and he sent uh don sweeney a picture of a bruins hat like, like yeah <laughs> come back and like he was on uh i think he was on the empty netters pod like talking about like what the bruins mean to him what that open night is gonna be and and for him to come back, like you said, opening night centennial season and to get the reception that he did and to get a point as well. I can't even like, he's probably thought about that, that moment for the last seven years since he left Boston. And, um, it was it was cool to see, and it was it was cool too because uh, you couldn't really hear it. Like they weren't really sh- they, You didn't see the player introduction when they were showing it on uh, on Nessun. I think it was on Nessun, yeah. So uh, like to see the clip on Twitter afterwards, and like to hear the pop of the crowd and Lucci! and everybody going and his stick in the air and everything. It was really cool to see. And for people, I think who were on the fence maybe about Luci coming back, I think after seeing. That and his performance, too. He's looked good the last couple games. He's reinvented himself. Like, I think they might be getting back on the hype train here, dude. Well, that's the thing, too. It's like,
0: um, people at first, like, come on, like, I understand that maybe you could be a little hesitant at first, um, bringing him back in here, seeing how he's played in LA, seeing how he's played in Calgary over the you know, since he left Boston, seeing how he's playing in Edmonton. Obviously. there was something missing you know like he he was never a faster guy he was always slower but he would he would find ways to make himself useful in in different ways and that was a little bit lost especially when he went to calgary especially when he went to calgary that was it was really evident but since he's been back here, it's like he has like a uh, like a pep in his step, dude. He's 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 driving that fourth line, which is an unbelievable line, by the way. Lucic, Beecher, and Lauko together. I mean, dude, that talk about a fun line. Um, but like you said, it's 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 like he almost reinvented himself. But I think a lot of that can also be contributed or attributed to the fact that he wants to be here and he's happy to be here and he's willing to give every little ounce of effort that he has left in his body to this season.
1: Yeah. And and I think a, a big thing too for Lucic is that he, I think he understands the player that he is now and his responsibility to this team, like his entire career with the Bruins prior to the two, these past two games he's been like uh, you know a first line player uh, sure. a staple of this team a, a former 30 goal scorer like he was one of the guys he was never the most talented like you said like everybody knows the phrase you know jack edwards coin lucic is chugging up the ice because he <laughs> skates like a train you know he's got stone hands but like you said he he makes it work and for players like that as they age they don't age the most gracefully they have to find other ways to be effective and for lucic like I think he he understands like he's not going to be a first line player anymore. He's not going to be a 30 goal. He's not going to be a 20. He might not even be a double digit goal scorer. He probably won't. And I think that he's totally bought into his role as being uh, giving some juice to that fourth line, playing on a line with a couple of young guys and like imagine Laugo and Beecher like. Beecher's first career NHL game, Lauko's had like a cup of coffee in the NHL. I think this is probably what his second or third year now, but he hasn't had a lot of, you know, games under his belt either. And now you're playing on a line with uh, a, like a, a Bruins legend from the last 15 years or so, Milan Lucic and taking him under his wing. Like, um, like I was kind of like uh, over the summer, like I wanted Lucic back. It would be cool to see him. I wanted him back more so from a storyline perspective, not so much from uh, you know uh, he's a good player he's gonna help this team perspective, but after the last couple games and seeing the juice he's put in that fourth line and he's actually perform like putting numbers up on this on the point sheet too, dude I love it that fourth line is absolutely buzzing and like you said Lucic is a huge reason why.
0: I have a question for you. Yeah, let me hear it. Just popped in my head. If the Bruins last season at the deadline, <laughs> instead of getting <clears throat> Hathaway, they add Lucic.
1: So does that make a difference in how the season ended last year? <clears throat> Honestly, it could, because <laughs> the because the, the, uh, adding Lucic doesn't make you any more talented. That was never the Bruins' issue. They got like they got physically and mentally beat. I think right. against Florida, they right. got it taken to them. And we were talking about it back then. That it seemed like the only player who was actually doing something, who was getting pissed off at Maca Chuck, who wasn't taking their shit, was. Tyler Bertuzzi, who isn't there anymore. And, uh, like, if they had, like, damn, dude, if they had Milan Lucic in the locker room, maybe, you know, to get your shit together, like, screaming at his teammates or something. Somebody who's been there before? Yes. I don't know, man. That, that could have helped them get over the hurdle. Because it's it wasn't a skill issue. We've already established that.
0: Right. Like, that's what I'm saying, dude. And you, you say, like, see how he, see how excited he is right now to be here? Imagine you integrate him back into Boston, on the best regular season team of all time with his old pals, Bergeron and Creechie. And you put him into this lineup too. I mean, dude, the, the, he's already pumped to be here now for this season. If he was there last year, he would have brought what he's
1: bringing right now times 10. I, I believe, I believe. Cause like, I don't, I don't like, um, going back to that Florida series. It's like, PTSD. I don't want to think about yeah. it anymore. Well, like Marshawn, you had time on the clock, buddy. But, <laughs> um, no, but uh, yeah, dude. Like imagine like if if Lucic was there, you know, because like there, there were times where like you just wanted them to do something, right? Like you had a uh, goodis is like just destroying your forwards in the corner, and you have Mac Chuck who's you know getting under the Bruins' skin, and it's like just like somebody like fight somebody or somebody like. I'd like just be a dick like spear right. somebody the nut I don't know just like <laughs> get some fire under your asses and yeah. like if you had and again like Milan Lucic isn't going to go out there and oh it's a two nothing game let's put Lucic out there and see if he can you know get a hatty real quick like he's not that kind of player but right. when the Bruins needed that spunk against the Florida Panthers if you throw a line out there with like who I don't even Lucic guarded Hathaway, and uh who was their fourth line center I don't even remember no sick. Oh, and No sick? Okay, face off win, right? Yeah. Right. And then and then and then, <laughs> and then they, they get it deep, but you just send Lucic and, and and Garnet Hathaway in the corners and hitting guys? Like Oh my god. <sighs> <laughs> Imagine
0: playing against that lot. No, dude. You'd be leaving it in a body bag every game.
1: But that's, we should we should propose that question on Twitter, because that's, that's a good question.
0: But um last thing on that that I'll touch on is Lucic was on the empty netters pod, like you mentioned. Shout out to the empty netters. Um but he was telling the story about that game seven against twenty thirteen against twenty thirteen, that game seven against the Maple Leafs in twenty thirteen. Um obviously when they came back. And he's telling them, you know, all the personal stories. And he was saying, just walking through it, he was telling the guys, you know, four to one with, like, I think it was eleven or twelve minutes left. And he was telling them, like, just get one before the ten-minute mark, and then we're good. So what do they do? They relax a little bit. Do I mean listening to Lucic comment down and saying, all right, we can, we can do this. It's not over. We can do this. Lucic being that voice. What do they do? They go out there. Horton scores with like 10 30 left. He goes back to the bench and he goes, All right, we got it before the 10-minute mark. Like, let's go. What happens next? Lucic gets the third goal and then they call the timeout. And I guess he had a discussion with with uh with Claude and Chara. And Lucic wanted to go back in front of the net. And Chara was like, No, 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 I'm gonna go in front of the net. And Claude was like, Yeah. Yeah, Z, you go in front of the net, and Luchy's just like, "God damn it, man! Like I just scored in front of the net!" Like, <laughs> and then he, I guess he was trying to fight back, and Char was like, "No, no, Luch, I got this." And then I guess Luch is just like, "Okay, like I'm not gonna argue <laughs> you." It takes a, it takes a lot for Luch to back down. Yeah. And then wh- and then what happens? Like they they get the goal. Z's in front, so is it's. it's Kind of going off that little tangent, it's it's voices like that who have been through situations in the playoffs where you're facing adversity at the highest level and you still come back and win.
1: Oh yeah And especially too Like uh, like looking at the team now I mean you just Obviously lost Bergeron You lost Marshawn um, Jesus I'm getting ahead of myself You lost Bergeron You lost Krejci Your only guy left On your roster Who's won a cup Is uh, is Brad Marshawn So it, it helps In the sense too That now you have Milan Lucic Coming back in the locker room Who's been there Who's climbed that mountain With this organization So he knows what it's like But Lucic For everything he does On the ice And everything he can Provide to a team He's also He's fantastic In the locker room I don't remember if it was edmonton or calgary but uh and i've referenced this story before because i think it was bobby bobby bruski who said it on uh on an only bruins episode how uh or it might have been on spitting chicklets i don't know it was one of the two uh i mix up those podcasts all the time because they're just great hockey content from the only bruins fellows Spit and spitting chicklets but uh he was talking about how uh it was when Lucic was either on edmonton or calgary but they were going through a bit of a rough stretch where they had dropped like I don't know, eight or the last 10 or, or quite a few games in a row. And Lucic didn't tell anybody, but he just walked into the locker room one day with blonde hair like totally bleached his hair i think it was calgary actually totally bleached his hair and just walked into the locker room and like the guys are like what is wrong with you and like lucic like this guy with like the you know these physically defining features he has you know like the big brow line the the jacked up nose and now you have this guy walking in with like angel white hair (laughs) and uh it was it was exactly what the team needed for a guy to come in and just Just make them laugh for once. And they ended up going on this like crazy, crazy stretch of games there where they put some wins together. But that's the kind of guy you're getting in Lucic. You know, he's not just going to be able to. I mean, he's not going to fill the, the the point sheet every night, but he's going to go out there and he's going to give your guys some energy and he's going to get the crowd riled up. And he brings that kind of veteran mentality while also being able to keep things loose in the locker room. And in a season where you just lost one of the most influential figures that this franchise has ever had, that's, I think, really what they needed to help kind of mend the years between post-Chara and Bergeron and now into this next Generation of Bruins hockey, we're about to get here.
0: Yeah, dude. No, I completely agree. But um, yeah, so Bruins win their home opener, um, and then we jump over to the Nashville Predators game. Tight game. Um, JVR potted two, and uh, Pasta obviously with that penalty shot goal. Um, Swayman got the start. He got the win. He made. Um, let's see here. He made. Uh, he actually he made thirty three saves out of thirty five shots. So pretty. Fucking good game from Sway. Um, it feels great to have the best tandem in the league back in net. Um, yeah, back with the goalie hugs. But I don't know what you want to talk about first. You want to talk about JVR's two goals, or you want to talk about that absolute sonic nuclear bomb from David
1: Paschanak? No, no, no. There's a couple talking points. We can start with JVR. All right, would you, would you, or would you not trade JVR straight up for McDavid right now? No. I'm on the same boat as you. Glad we agree. Time
0: out. Before we even go further, did you see him try to do the between the legs against Chicago? JBR? Yeah. No. What? Oh, my God. Dude, he he like hit the blade of... Soderblom I think who was playing net he didn't even yeah. have to go between the legs but he did cuz he's just that dude cuz he's
1: JBR <laughs> yeah, just cuz
0: he's JBR
1: dude No he he heard Davis was in the stands rocking his jersey so he yeah, had to go
0: put it through his legs He saw the one guy in in the entire Bruins fan base with
1: a JBR jersey No no I just I love Davis <laughs> I just gotta say quickly Who the hell goes to the garden on Centennial Night when they have all of these brand spanking new new the the jerseys are only available for a year? You walk in, oh, here's a Centennial Brad Marchand jersey, a Charlie McAvoy, Lucic. They got a Lucic Centennial jersey. No. Give me number twenty one, James Van Riemsdyk. Give me JVR. <laughs> <laughs> does that? And it was funny uh, because he tweeted it, and it was a picture of the front of the jersey, and he was like, "Everybody guess who's on the back." Not a it, single person said JBR, because nobody <laughs> would think that anybody would go buy a JBR Centennial jersey to wear on this, opening night of the
0: season. This is why I love Davis, dude. He's like, you're right, because I can picture him like staring at the at the rack at the jersey rack. He's like, "Pasta? No, McAvoy." No, (laughs) Marshawn. Uh, No. Oh, fuck. Yeah, there it is. JVR. Give it to me.
1: He he probably had to go ask the cashier if they had it in the back because they're like, oh, no, we didn't. We don't hang those on the rack. Who the hell wants a JVR jersey? They were probably like JVR. We don't have any like stock
0: ones, but he kind of he wore this one the other night. Like we have it in the back if you want to take it.
1: JVR, why would we sell flyers or jerseys? Oh, yeah. he's on the board. Oh, yeah, he's on that. the team, bro. Yeah. We got it in the- Oh, I can call our tailor it. he can go stamp twenty one and Van Reemsike on the back of a blank jersey we got that's, for
0: you. dude. That's probably what they did. They probably took it out back and stitched
1: it up real quick. And, and I bet you, as soon as Davis left, all of the people who worked there got together and made fun of him because who the hell buys a JVR <laughs> jersey, dude? I love it. I know that's why
0: we love Davis though, dude. Like <laughs> Fucking like. Uh, He's the only he's got to be the only one with a JVR jersey. If you listen, if you're listening to this right now, please please this is your homework for today. If you have a Centennial Bruins JVR jersey, you goddamn send it to us
1: right now. And and if if the Bruins weren't wearing the cream colored third jerseys of that first game, I bet you Davis would have had the cream colored JVR before Jersey before James Van Riems like even had it. Because who, <laughs> who the hell has that Jersey? JVR's kids probably don't even have it yet. No, no. If he hits up JVR, JVR
0: might pay a pretty penny for that Jersey. <laughs> he honestly <laughs> might. <laughs> um, but dude, yeah. So JVR with two. Um, Both power play goals. By the way, the Bruins that game, I'm pretty sure off the top of my head. um, The Predators were 0 for 7. It was 7 power play. Okay, so it was 7. So, I mean, hey, silver
1: lining, the PK looks good. The PK looks good. Look at it, and and listen, you lost your two best face off guys, and no sick and bergeron, and it doesn't matter. Still looking good. Yeah, still looking good, dude, but. We got to
0: talk about that pasta penalty shot, dude. Yeah, that yeah. L- listen. There's been some fancy moves over the years of the shootout. Obviously, Patrick Kane comes to mind that that goal against Minnesota way back. Obviously, the Datsuk flip. Um, there's been a couple more Dennis Wideman eating shit, but but, <laughs> um, but that goal from David Pasternak. He didn't even like do anything. He just came down the ice, stopped skating, did a little like tiny little toe tuck and just sent the hardest shot that the NHL has ever seen it
1: right through the net. And like it's not like he's scoring against some scrub too. That's freaking no, UC Soros. That's like, Soros, dude. dude. He was my Vesna pick for this year and uh, at that at that point in the game was that the third goal or the second goal? Second goal. Okay, so it's a. I think it was a one goal game at that point, and uh, you get a penalty shot. Can't think of any player on the Bruins I'd want in that situation other than Pasta, and for him to just come in, like skate down, just show his nuts. Like didn't even try to make a move. Just like reared back and just flung that thing like. Top, yeah. Like it looked like it took. Absolutely no effort at all. Like he it, like in that situation against that goalie to not even pull like Pasta's, like he knows what he does best and that's shoot the damn puck. And he just skates there and fires it almost bar down. I don't even I don't even know what this I think I probably retweeted it from like four different accounts cuz that <laughs> that goal was so obscene. Like I'm honestly surprised that that
0: didn't just burn a hole right through the net. And I even said this oh, too, on Twitter, dude, like what are you like in Sarus's position? Like but the, like, what are, you, what are you supposed to do? Like, what are yeah. you even supposed to do about
1: that? It almost reminds me of, uh, like, 10 years ago when the Bruins were in the shootout. And, like, you know, when the shootout lasts so long, you have to have the defenseman go. And then it was Chara's turn, and he just went in and took a slap shot from, like, the top of the slot. Yeah. Like, you can't do anything about that. And when Pasta skates in, him against the goalie, doesn't even make a move, doesn't even throw a shoulder all just just cocks back and fires it and there's nothing one of the best goalies in the NHL can do. Poss is going for 80 this year, dude. He can't be stopped.
0: He can't be stopped. But um yeah, so Bruins get that win too, they start the season 2 and 0. Um 64 more wins to break last season's record. <laughs> They're on pace to do it. <laughs> um but what what we've seen out of this team for the past for for the first two games is Pretty good. It's pretty positive. I think you're going to see this team um, win a lot of games that are really tight. There's going to be a lot of empty net goals. There's going to be a lot of one goal games. Um, you're not going to see the offensive firepower that you saw last year, obviously. But I think it's still a really solid, deep team. Four lines deep. Defensive unit, solid. Um, and obviously your goaltending depth, too. I mean, you have the best goalie tandem in the league. I, it's, I think it's. it's going to be another successful season.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're definitely right. The Bruins, they're not going to blow anybody out offensively. Like last year, they had the ability to just shut teams down and they had the ability to put up six, seven, eight goals if they wanted to. Like that team was ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, but looking at this team this year, they still have an absolutely loaded defensive core um, as long as everybody stays healthy. Like you just said, they still have the best one two combo uh, of goaltenders in the league. And uh, which we didn't even touch on was that like, were you nervous at all when you saw Jeremy Swayman again let up a goal in the first shot of the game I was like not this shit again man like holy shit dude
0: this might just be like his his thing like in his mind he might just be like you know what I'm just going to let the first shot in and then <laughs> walk, in. I know,
1: walk in. I, I want to I make sure that my teammates are all dialed. Like in our men's league game last night, I kept yeah. on making mistakes and uh, just totally leaving our goalie bent out to dry. And I, I I went up to him a few times. Like I'm just trying to make sure he's still dialed in, buddy. I just want to make sure that you're not you know, <laughs> falling asleep back here. Maybe that's what Swayman's doing. Like, listen, I got to make sure I'm getting, you know, good offensive pressure in front of me the whole time. If I let in the first game, the, the goal, the first shot of the game, these guys know they got to go out and score or else we're going to lose. But jokingly seriously though uh like swayman we, we said it last year like letting up the first shot of a of the game could be uh sparrow you a little bit you know you get a little uh, nervous maybe you you start squeezing the stick a little harder maybe you start alligator arming your uh your your glove hand or whatever but his ability to give up the first goal of the game although it's not good and then Just totally settle in and like just shut the door. Like some of the saves he was making against Nashville, his lateral movement is ridiculous. He's we talked about it with uh, Olmark last year how Omark is so calm. He's so sound. He's never out of position. Like, he never slides way out of his crease. He never does any of that shit. Swayman had a fantastic game against Nashville the other night. And uh, nobody expected Swayman and Omark to carry over the level of dominance they had last year into this year. But after watching Omark's performance, I mean, he was a, a, a wraparound goal away from a shutout. You know, opening night, and then watching Swayman get uh thirty, I think it was thirty four saves against uh, an explosive, could be explosive Nashville team the other night. I mean, you got to be encouraged about what these guys have moving forward. Not that you're going to expect them to suck, but like this team is very clearly built from the the net out. I mean, it starts yeah. with who you. Ha- between the pipes their defensive core is the backbone of this team and then they have some playmakers up front and that's why i'm saying some of these games if they're if they're closer games the bruins have the players to be able to, to to dog out these games like they have the defensive infrastructure and they have the goalies and uh like that's why nashville comes in they outshoot you they get seven power plays no problem three two win you got chicago coming in here guns blazing they got this new super prospect i mean albeit they're not a great team but the Bruins handled them pretty easily too now we got this west coast road trip which really pisses me off we talked about it last episode they got three games here in California on weeknights like they played the Kings on Thursday night at 10 30 you I work I got a nine to five like I'm not staying up <laughs> for that game like come on like that's not fair and I it That's a story for another time, but that shit pisses me off how you just start your season and now we as fans, we got to wait until 1030 to watch them play on a work night on a school night that that boggles my mind.
0: Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, good start to uh, to the season so (laughs) far. What, what? <laughs> it's just a segue. I'm pissed about late games.
1: Yeah, so you know, good start to the season.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, it is it is it is bullshit because both of us work early in the morning. Um yeah, I mean I mean, and the majority of people do. Like who's gonna want to stay up until one AM watching the third game of the Bruins season? Obviously I will because I'm a fucking psychopath, but um <laughs> Most people won't. And I guess it's good. It's it's uh, silver lining, I guess, in playing devil's advocate. It's probably better to get those games out of the way early in the season rather than, you know, down the stretch and, you know, fighting for playoffs and whatnot. But yeah, that this is why I've argued in the past, like only have one of these road trips a year. Like, don't do this multiple times because first of all, playing the West Coast teams like, yeah, it's cool. But like, do you really want to see the Sharks two or three times a year? Do you really want to no. see? The, do you really do you
1: really want to see the ducks
0: two or three times a year? Like no, no,
1: dude. Yeah, um, I don't know. Or even if they could, if they could find a middle ground, like you know, a, a ten thirty start time here, seven thirty over there. What if it was eight uh, thirty? right so not, be, not even like how about nine like nine is yeah possible. nine o'clock i would be able to watch most of that game and it's not because i don't want to it's like it hits 10 30 and i am like physically unable to keep my eyeballs open like and i just and
0: that's just when the puck is dropping
1: yeah like <laughs> they're just finishing warm-ups when when 10 30 hits my clock so right uh I'm going to try like hell to watch this game against the Kings because I want to watch the Kings too. Because we were just talking last episode, they're a serious contender out there in the West. That, um, like, you know, people talk about Vegas, obviously. People talk about Edmonton because of who they have and the explosiveness that that offense has, obviously. People are talking about the Kings, but I feel like they're still seriously underestimating what the Kings can do this year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> and I think that mainly comes from their lack, not lack of, but their, you know, less than impressive goaltending.
1: Yeah, and I also feel like nationally they, they they just don't get the coverage that a I mean even though they're in LA, nationally they don't get the coverage that a Connor McDavid led Oilers team does or a defending Stanley Cup champion new franchise Vegas Golden Knights does. Which, you know, I get it makes sense, but the fact yeah. that they're all in the same division too is also pretty ridiculous.
0: Hey, but speaking of Vegas, uh, I think we should jump into the DMs
1: and Let's do it. Did we get one from Jack this week? We bet your ass we did. He sends it every week. Fuck yeah. All right. Let's start with Jack. Jack, All right. Oh, wow. This is really long. He said, hey. Hey. Oh, by the way. By the way, hang on. Sorry. This is from uh, this is God. God damn it. I'm hitting all these buttons on my phone. Now. Okay. This is from Jack. You can follow Jack on Twitter at a Jack B underscore. Jack said, hey. Hey. Hey, Jack. A few weeks ago, I asked what the identity of the Bruins would be this season, and I think I've got my answer. The Bruins are pure vibes. Marshawn is Marshanding to an elite shithousery level. Early doors by <laughs> kindly dragging Bedard to the benches while also running a plus 100 yeah. I-love-the-Bruins passion boost whenever he looks at the sea on his jersey. Lucic is just out there living his best life, occasionally joining in with the top line. Watch him accidentally get 50 points a share due to the obscene amount of adrenaline pumping through his body when the Bruins crowd gives him the <laughs> Luch CHAMP. Patra is a real life GM mode regen player <laughs> Bergeron retired and we, and we respawn him in the form of Matthew Patra Selkie, and Calder incoming. We're giving teams false hope by allowing the first shot of the game to go in. Shout out Sway for needing to let one in before morphing into a brick wall, as well as <laughs> by giving teams power plays for fun before unleashing our penalty-killing depth. <laughs> we may not have a traditional, nailed-on number one center, but we've easily got three solid number twos in Zaka, Coil, and Portra. Patra, sorry. I'm fully on board with the Patra hype train. Bruins are playing on vibes this year, summed up by Pasta's casual laser into the top shelf penalty shot, making it look effortless. Anyway, question. What do you guys think the Bruins' biggest strength is this year? I personally think it's that everyone wrote the Bruins off this season, giving it large they won't recreate what they did last year. I mean, no shit. Last year was unbelievable, so we obviously won't recreate that, despite being on track for 82-0, but the Bruins are still a top team. Then he said, finally, Mel, you tweeted asking Austin Matthews to relax after his back-to-back hat-tricks. Don't worry. He plays for the Leafs. He'll, he'll relax come April when he forgets what hockey is during the first round of the playoffs. True to form. <laughs> dude, listen. I love it. J- dude, Jack. For if somebody Jack, who, for if
0: somebody Jack wrote who, a book, like,
1: I'd read it. Yeah, oh, 100%.
0: And for somebody who lives in England and doesn't get to watch as much hockey content – on a daily basis as we do, he knows his shit.
1: He does know his shit, dude. Some of the, uh, and also like, I don't know if they have uh, like hockey lingo in uh, in England, but like some of the shit he was talking about, Sway going, turning into a, a brick wall, talking about how a pasta fired a laser top shelf. Hey. I love it. But just hey. quickly, he, when he said finally Mel about, asking Austin Matthews to relax, to relax, come April. Could not agree more. Although I'm not like I've always said I'm never gonna believe in the Leafs and I'm never gonna fear the Leafs until they prove me wrong. Because they've had unbelievable teams on paper the last fifteen years or so. They've had some shithousery teams sprinkled in there as well. But for the most part, they've literally done nothing but disappoint. They consistently fall flat on their face. The only reason they made it to the second round this year was because they played a Lightning team that has had maybe eight months of rest in the last seven years. Like (laughs) they, they, everything had to go rare for them to make it to the second round, just for them to get their shit kicked in by the Florida Panthers. I get it. They made it farther than the Bruins. At least the Bruins took the Panthers a seven, but I I did want to say something funny. Did you see uh, the, the, the clip that the Leafs put out where they were asking their players who Toronto's biggest rival is, and like they asked Tyler Bertuzzi, and he was like, uh, probably, probably Montreal. They asked uh, a couple other guys, and all the answers were either Montreal. Or a couple of Boston sprinkled in there, and they asked Austin Matthews, you know, who's Toronto's biggest rival? Without hesitation, oh, the Arizona Coyotes. <laughs> oh, <what? laughs> because of, no, because of the shit that was going on before he signed his extension, how everybody yeah. thought that he was going to go to <laughs> go to Arizona. So I just <laughs> thought that was funny. But his question: What do you guys think the Bruins' biggest strength is this year? What do you <sighs> think? I have my answer. I mean their biggest strength
0: strictly analytically is probably their goaltending right they like no yeah. matter who starts a net you're confident in in you know at least two or three goals going in and then just taking care of business after that um, you're, you're confident with whoever plays whether it's Swayman or Allmark um, doesn't really matter to be honest with you um, you're playing a big game against Toronto deep into the season give me either of them
1: I'm fine with either of them <laughs> I'm going to say I'm going to say their depth mm-hmm. and the, the, the depth that they have this year isn't like the depth that they had last year where they had a former heart winner on their third line when they had, you know, a guy who could who's a top four defenseman now this year benched into the playoffs like they had a ridiculous amount of talent on their team last year. But this year, uh, which again, they could also do last year, but this year they can consistently roll four lines. Like it, and, and like Jack said, they might not have a number one center, but they have three number two centers. Who knows what you're going to get from Patra this year. Uh, if he could get 50 points, great. If he can get more than that, even better. Like who knows what he's going to produce. The Bruins, uh, they I think it might have been against Chicago, started the game with their fourth line. Like they have six defensemen that they can consistently roll. They have a, a seventh and eighth defensemen they can throw in there too. Hell, they got some guys who can have legitimate NHL minutes playing in Providence right now that they can call up if somebody gets hurt. They have the best one-two goaltending tandem in the league. Like, they don't have the, uh, you know, the... Like they don't have what Toronto has where they have like a line with Marner Bertuzzi and Matthews and they don't have a guy like John Tavares centering their second line and they don't have some of these superstars sprinkled throughout their lineup like other teams do but what they do have is four four lines with four identities who can go out there and consistently perform at the drop of a hat and I think that that's been a hallmark really of the Bruins is they've had crazy depth they might not have the most talented guys but damn it they're going to put out four lines and they're going to just just wear you down. And Lucic is a huge part of that adding him to the fourth line and what he's been able to contribute to that line uh and finding Patra like off the street essentially and suddenly you have your your second line center is huge for this team and I think before the season started I would have argued that depth is something that they don't have but i think after watching the preseason and after watching these guys perform the way that they did and now after watching the first two games of the season i think that their depth with these secondary players is seriously one of their strong suits
0: yeah and i don't think that they have one line that's like a super offensive line right i mean you spread out pasta and Marshawn. Um, you got Patra, maybe bumping up to the second line, that actually might be a thing uh, in the next coming games, which I like playing up with Marshawn, but you got Coil on the third, you got Geeky there, Frederick, who could pop off with some goals, like, you don't really have one line of just super offensive talent, you have it spread out through all four, and that's something that not too many teams can say that they have. It's pretty evenly distributed through all four playing different situations as well. And that's going to benefit you so much.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're, they're an extremely balanced team. I mean, yep. their their top two lines, I feel like, are pretty consistent in terms of the offensive production that they can put out. Their third line, I think I just said, Patra was a second line or I meant third line um, is like the biggest kind of what if like you don't know what that third line is going to produce if the last two games have shown you anything I have all the faith in the world that that third line is going to more than carry their weight like you just said Trent Frederick uh, had a nifty goal game one assisted by rookie center Patra on his first career game your fourth line has an identity they're going to go out there and they're going to wear teams down (laughs) Like, shit starts happening, and you need to provide a spunk to this team. You don't necessarily need them to go out and get a goal. You need them to go out there and let a fire under your team's ass. And putting Milan Lucic and Lauko out there at the same time? I mean, holy shit. You might as well just plug this team into a wall outlet. Like, the amount of electricity that's going to provide to this organization. <laughs> Defensively, I mean, the first defensive pairing of Charlie McAvoy and Matt Grislyk, couple of puck-moving, speedy defensemen who can make some shit happen offensively. You want to go to their second pairing? I thought Hampus Lindholm, uh, and you you tweeted as well, I thought he struggled game one. I thought mm-hmm. he like didn't look great. I think he bounced back game two. Yep. But you have him playing with a stout, stay-at-home, defensive defenseman in Brandon Carlo. And then your third pairing, whether it be Shattenkirk with uh, um, Derek Forbert, or if Laurie ever gets the call-up, Shattenkirk has looked great the first two games of the, of the season, too. He's out there. Moving and grooving on the blue line, and um, they just—they have four lines, they have three pairings, they got two great goalies, and they're making shit happen.
0: Yep. Um, yeah. So shout out Jack, dude, coming in with another heater of a question. Oh
1: yeah, um, banger, banger in
0: it, banger in it. But <laughs> the next, the next one comes in from our boy uh, Ethan two the Ethan two parters. You can follow him on Twitter at Incredible Mister E seven. He said. Part one, going back to the Seattle expansion draft, would you still protect Clifton over Lausanne? Why? Why not?
1: Uh, Absolutely. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I definitely
0: would. Um, Both of them aren't on the team anymore. Clifton was obviously you know more successful he had a big role last year turned into a little electric rod for the team too i'm pretty sure i i could be wrong but again i'm just going off the top of my head but i'm pretty sure that he led the team in hits last season
1: and no i think um didn't hathaway after they traded for him
0: yeah but how much how many of those hits came from when he was on that's a fair you know, point yeah it was Washington. definitely most of them yeah but either way he was top three in hits. Um and, I mean, he, yes, he wasn't a wicked, you know, offensive superstar putting up numbers, but I think he was more reliable long-term than Jeremy Lausanne has been. Um, so, yeah, I would definitely have stayed with Clifton. Um, do you want to add anything to that?
1: No, uh, not nothing other than, I mean, Clifton with the Quinnipiac as well, so...
0: I was gonna say that's that was a lock
1: answer for you I'm always I'm always taking my cue, you guys
0: <laughs> um his his second part of his uh, two part questions is looking back at the Seattle and Vegas expansions, what would you change about the protected lists? so for for the Seattle draft and I want to know. If you would change anything about this before I double check about Vegas's expansion, but the Bruins chose to protect Bergeron, Coyle, Debrusque, Frederick Marshaw, and Pasta, Craig Smith, Brandon Carlo, Grizzlick, McAvoy, and Vladar.
1: Um, I mean, who did We're they all- lose who did they lose in that draft? Uh, I believe it was Lausanne. Oh, duh. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, I I think it would have made sense to not keep Ladar because they traded him right after. (laughs) But um, no, I mean, I think it worked out for both clubs. I mean, I mean, Lazan, if he was still here, I mean – would he be getting any significant – and and he left Seattle, by the way. He's not even there anymore. I think he's in Nashville now. Um, mm-hmm. And and you definitely would have gotten more out of Connor Clifton, in my opinion, than you would have out of Lazon. And Clifton was the perfect defenseman, too, for what this team needed the last couple of years. So, no. I mean, I, I wouldn't have changed anything about uh, who the Bruins protecting in that draft.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm with you on that. I would probably – I'm looking at it in hindsight, maybe Craig Smith. Just so you could have easily lost that money well, if they chose to pick him.
1: Craig Smith would have helped. But I feel like Craig Smith is in the same boat as Ladar, where there's a couple of guys right. who you just ended up trading the following season anyway. So it didn't really right. matter. But I know like a lot of those teams too, like the way that Vegas did it was so smart. How... And it was almost like an embarrassment of riches how like the guys that they drafted obviously hit like William Carlson and like Riley Smith, like a couple of these guys totally popped for Vegas, but also like how they were working with some of these teams where they would be like, oh, like we'll give you like I think Pittsburgh like gave them a a relatively good draft pick to not take Matt Murray and to take uh, uh, Fleury instead. And they were like, oh, okay, and they took Flurry instead, and obviously he won a Vesna and was like a huge, a huge part of turning that franchise <laughs> into what they are now. I think it was Matt Murray and, and Flurry, um, but no, like it just, and that's why like they kind of set unbelievably unrealistic expectations for Seattle, and Seattle said, you know what, we'll take your expectations, and in our second season, we'll be a couple games away from the Western Conference Final, no big deal. And now it's <laughs> like, holy shit, like like some of these like really shitty teams like. Like I feel like like Philly should disband their franchise, wait a couple of years, start it up again, so they get an expansion draft, and I bet you they would put together a better team than they have right now. Yeah, or a team like San Jose, especially. Oh my god! Oh yeah, I should have said San Jose. I you mean, know? either either of them sucks dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: But um, with Vegas, the Vegas draft. So the Bruins chose to protect. David Backus, Patrice Bergeron, David Krejci, Brad Marchand, Riley Nash, David Posternock, Ryan Spooner, Zdeno Chára, Tori Krug, Kevin Miller and Tukarask. Notables that they left available.
1: Um didn't, didn't leave Carlo available? I think I remember that. No, and by the way, Colin Miller and Adam McQuaid. I just totally mixed up those two drafts. My whole last answer was all about Vegas thinking that was Vegas, but that was actually Seattle. But <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Um, you, you ended up tying it back to Vegas anyways. Yeah, the point still stands. Um, yeah, I wouldn't have protected David Backus. Mm, that's a good I water. think that would have been pretty helpful if they took him off the books, a guy who didn't even play in the Stanley Cup final. But this was also... Uh, what was that, 2017, right? So that was before David Backus became... David Backus, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. it it made sense to protect him, but um, I'm glad they didn't pick McQuaid. Interesting. I don't know
0: who they picked up off who Vegas picked up off of Buffalo, but they they left uh, Linus Allmark available.
1: Wow. Well, I mean, they got flurry anyways. Right, in, right, uh, but I mean still. Yeah, I know, I know. Here's a question. If Linus Olmark was taken in that expansion draft by Vegas, would he have turned into the Linus Olmark that we know now?
0: Probably not cuz they probably
1: would have traded him in, in the next like 2 or 3 years. <laughs> Honestly, probably. <laughs> right. I feel like I would I would love to go back and look at the uh the 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 players that teams didn't protect in some of those expansion drafts because like some of these guys just like totally pop out of nowhere like I wouldn't be surprised if like just some random like if Buffalo didn't protect well Tage Thompson was still probably in St. Louis at that point but you know what I mean like, yeah. so, like the, some of these guys they, they totally pop and like like I was just saying like Vegas and Seattle how they're able to uh, find these players and take one an expansion draft and turn them into stars is, is really something
0: yeah um so let's let's jump into some of these other questions so we've got a bunch to get through here so shout out to you guys for coming in hot with the questions um we'll start with here into the den is scaring shout out spooky season uh, you can follow them on twitter at itd bruins they said what do you think will be the biggest test for patra in terms of proving what we do with him after the nine games I think it's just being consistent. I think right now, if he just continues to play the way that he is, um, I think he stays, you know, past, past his nine games and he remains at the team for the season. I think the lines are too good right now with him in the lineup.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think he's going to stay. I mean, I, I know he's also, uh, I mean, he's a smaller guy too, isn't he? Like he's like five, 10, seven or something like that.
0: Yeah. That's like, so, your, that's like your, your, uh, ESHL build.
1: Yeah. I think I'm smaller <laughs> than that, honestly. But, um, <laughs> You know, I think we will be fine for the nine games, but I think about like long term, you know, if if he does stick on the roster and and starts getting to the dog days of the season, like some of those guys, you know, 19 year old rookie who's never had to play a full 82 game NHL schedule before flying across across the country. I think about that as well. But uh, no, I mean, I mean, for the first two games of the season, if he keeps playing the way he's been playing, I mean, he no brainer to keep this guy around. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm with you. So I'm, my main thing is just the consistency and just being kind of honestly, not only producing offensively, but just being a reliable guy who can go out there and just kind of hold down the fort. You does not have to go out there every night and put up two points, three points. Um, just every now and then add a couple to the stat sheet and end the season with like 50, I'll say forty to fifty points, and you're good. But just just be able to play in both ends of the ice. If you can do that, then then you're good.
1: You know what I just remembered too that I I forgot to mention earlier. Did you see when the Bruins are playing Nashville? Uh, Jack Edwards was making a big deal about it, but how? Um, at, it was I think it was sometime in the third period. Brandon Carlo had more shorthanded minutes than he did five on five minutes that's crazy because because obviously he's out on the on the penalty killing unit and the Bruins had seven power plays and at one point brandon carlo had like over seven minutes of penalty kill time and like five and a half minutes of five on five time which is like mind-boggling when you really think about it
0: well, and you see this always in the beginning of NHL seasons too. Like the refs are a little bit harder on certain calls and certain things that they're kind of trying to trying to kind of hem down on. But even even Dude. that being the case, seven penalties is fucking crazy.
1: Nashville had the refs in their pocket that game. Like everything was being called. It was ridiculous. But you know what? They weathered the storm and they ended up winning anyways. Mm-hmm. Through adversity, they do it all.
0: Through adversary dude. That's Captain Brad's mentality. But, That's right, baby. Uh this next question comes in from our boy, Mr. James Van Reemsdike himself, Chris J. Davis. Hey, you, can follow him, you can follow him on Twitter at Chris J Davis11. Shout out Chris. Shout out drop the mitts. Um but he brought up this really good point the other day on our show. Um if you haven't had a chance to listen to it, definitely go check it out. We talk all things on HL, just not just Bruins, but With Bergeron being that solidified guy on the power play, playing the bumper as that right-handed shot for years, (coughs) all of a sudden you don't have that right-hand shot on the bumper anymore. So his solution and his idea was putting Potra on power play one in Bergeron's bumper spot. That way you have that right-handed shot there. The guys who have been playing with Bergeron on that unit forever are used to sliding the puck over on that right side having him just easily catch it where you saw a couple times of the power play they they went for that move but obviously the is playing in a bumper spot now the pass wasn't there. It would hit the boards, ricochet out, and all of a sudden they'd have to restart. So putting Pawtraw with that right-handed shot in the bumper, catching those passes, making plays, being the playmaker that he is, I think that's a genius idea.
1: No, I love it. And I, I tweeted it during the Chicago game as well, because the Bruins' power play looked terrible. It looked yeah. horrendous. They were 0-3, and they were having trouble just getting the puck into the zone and setting it up. And I remember I, I tweeted at the time, like Bergeron is missed on this team for so many reasons, of course um you know if you want to talk about like on the ice he's huge uh he's been your first line center you've had that slotted for the last 20 years he's also been big on the penalty penalty kill but I feel like a lot of people were forgetting about him on the power play like he was your first line center power play for all these years right and I, and I feel like uh, honestly for me it wasn't until I was watching the power play post Bergeron when they couldn't get they couldn't even set the puck up and I was like Oh my God, that's right. We just lost their power play center. Yeah. So I love the idea of putting Pachra there, and it's not just for the sense of having, um, you know, that right-handed shot on the bumper. But he's also like incredibly creative. And mm-hmm. Bergeron, he was so his board play was so good, and he was so good in the corners where you knew if you're in the power play and you give him the puck and you have guys attack, he can use his body to shield them off or just do whatever Bergeron does. And uh, I feel like Patra hasn't really had that opportunity to make those plays in the season so far, but that was one thing we were talking about in the preseason was his how calm he is when the puck is on his stick and he just lets the play unfold and come to him, especially in the corners, how he can get the puck and quickly maneuver and, and skate it up to the blue liner. He's just one of those players, that seems like, who just, makes all the right decisions yeah. and i feel like it's it's almost a home run pick it seems like right now it seems like kind of an obvious selection to just throw him on the power play unit to see how it performs because yeah. he could be your new guy moving forward in that top power play unit post burrs drawn
0: another little like a little nugget that i learned as well as that patra has a pretty deep lacrosse background too so you gotta think that that helps him with his kind of like, physical positioning, almost, right? I, I I heard them talking about it today on Spitting Chicklets. Um, so, shout out to them, obviously. Um, But, I mean, like, be, being that lacrosse player, like, I never played, but I'm pretty sure you played, right?
1: I did. I played for a long time.
0: Yeah. So, like, you – I'm assuming, like, in that sport, obviously, it's kind of – I think it's Canada's national sport. I don't even I think, think hockey. It is. Yeah, I don't even think hockey is the yeah. national sport. But <laughs> – um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure like it must help with your positioning with how you hold the stick and how you protect the ball. Um, and that has to translate to the ice as well. And with Patra having that background, it's, it can only be beneficial.
1: Oh, definitely. Like, I, I mean, I was, I mean, I just, I played lacrosse from like second grade and I think I stopped right before high school in eighth grade. So I didn't play at any high level, but I did play a lot when I was younger and I played for my lacrosse friends. I did play attack. I would sprinkle in a little bit of the X every now and then, just saying. But no, but I know like, you know, you, you, the ball is in your stick and it's exposed if it's in front of you and you do use your body a lot to shield it off and you put your back to players and it's a lot of cutting and turning and, and trying to put your, trying to put your stick in the best position to make a shot or to make a, a pass, whatever it could be. And that's a lot of body positioning. And I feel like that's right. You can see it with Patra when he has the puck below the goal line and there's a defender on his back and he can stop and start and, 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 Almost had like he has eyes in the back of his head, but he has such a feel for the guy on his back um, to know like when to turn into where to angle your stick into where to keep the puck. So it's still in play for you, but it's just out of reach for the other player. And a lot of that, I didn't even know he played lacrosse, but a lot of that I would have to think definitely translates between the two sports and that background. I'm sure helps.
0: Yeah. So, shout out to Chris. Uh, shout out to uh, Mr. JVR. Shout out to Drop the Mitts. Um, again, you can follow him on Twitter at Chris J Davis Eleven. Um, this next question comes in from Burge. Shout out Burge at uh, Burge the goalie. He said, "Will Danton Heinen get a contract?" This is interesting. I want to hear your thoughts.
1: I don't think so. No, <clears throat> because I think that the only way I think Laura is coming up, and the only way that I believe Danton Heinen now to make the team would be if Patra were to say sayonara and go back to the OHL. And I don't think that's happening. I think Patra is here to stay. And um, I just like, I think that adding Danton Heinen would be a plus for this team. But if they, if they were to call up Laura at some point, and if they were to keep Patra on this team, like logistically, I think that it is literally impossible to add Heinen to this team financially. So, if it's a case of what I rather have Heinen for a year or Patra for a year, I would rather have Patra, and I think that's what it comes down to.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm in the same sense as you. Um, would he be beneficial to this team for sure? I, I really do think so, um, and I think that's why they're still kind of keeping him around a little bit. I don't, you know, I don't think they're completely knocking him away yet. But did you No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead.
1: Did you hear um I think it was a couple of days ago I saw a report that the, the Bruins asked Danton Heinen to stay in Boston and to stay he's not signed right now and he's technically I think he's technically a free agent, right? He can sign with any other team. But the, the Bruins have asked him to stay in Boston because while they can't sign him right now, they're basically alluding to a move is gonna happen. We wanna keep you around. So I I, I don't know what that means. I, th- I I look at that more so as, like, no. Like, I'm thinking, like, a move is going to happen. Okay, are you going to trade a guy so you can... We need Dayton Heiden on this team. Let's trade JVR. Or, like, let's trade our third line. line. Let's let's move Frederick up so we can fit... Like, you're, they're not making a move to fit okay. into the team. I see that more of an insurance policy. In case Patra didn't perform the first nine games as you hoped he would, now you got to send him back to the OHL, and then now you can add Dayton Heiden. I think that with Patra's play... I think they might as well tell Anton yeah. and go back to Canada. We're not going to have room for you on this team.
0: Yeah, I actually I don't disagree with that at all. I want to leave it at that because that's perfect. I think that's oh, good, yeah. exactly what's happening. But
1: so yeah, shut but up, actually, I, I got the I got off the phone with Donnie right before we started recording.
0: Well, I know that's why we started
1: late. You, the phone call with Don ran a little bit. You know, yeah, my but we just started we just started riffing about life and everything. You know, he's
0: a good guy. <laughs> so- it's always good to catch up with Donnie. It is. But, it is. Um, yeah. So shout out Burge again, follow him on Twitter at Burge the goalie. But this next one comes in from our boy memes. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at big bad bees memes. He said thoughts on the free agents so far, who's impressed and who has us depressed.
1: Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we already we talked about it earlier. JVR has definitely impressed. Yeah. Yeah. Um you know, his. we we knew how he was going to get his goals by parking his ass in front of the net and making shit happen. And, and by God, there. is
0: he doing it? And
1: and by God, has he delivered? You know, <laughs> he's, he's looked great. So I would definitely say, do you have anybody else for free agents who's impressed other than JVR? Um, Lucic? Lucic? <laughs> I'm
0: trying to think. Who else. Lucic, Geeky... Shattenkirk Kirk has been okay. Um, he's not, I don't think he's Shattenkirk hasn't impressed me, but he also hasn't depressed me. I don't necessarily know if anyone's depressed me, but Both I would it. say, need I, to would make say the <laughs> <laughs> I would say I'm with you on JVR, obviously. I think um, that's most people's consensus, too. He's playing so well. It seems like he's gelling with this team and just the fun or not functions, the uh, the systems that Montgomery has in place. And he's fitting into his role as well, too. But I would say I'm not going to say depressed, but I think the one who has, who I'm still looking to get a little bit more out of is geeky. I haven't really seen anything that's made me not jump out of my seat, but made me go like, Oh, okay. Like good play. Good play. Like he's just kind of, he's just kind of out there
1: doing his thing. Yeah, No, that's, that's honestly a great way to say it because uh, yeah, I'm, I'm then, with you.
0: If, sorry. But by no means am I saying he's playing poorly. He's just like, not He's really out there. Yeah. He hasn't done anything bad. He hasn't done anything good. He's literally the most average dude out there right now.
1: Yeah. And I, I mean, not even in, in, including just for agents. I mean, I don't think anybody on this team has depressed me so far. I think everybody's right. been looking really solid. Uh, um, minus well, who? Former. Oh, well, that's a given. Come on. I get mean, <laughs> rag on him every episode. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh but no like if you're if you're talking
0: about you sorry you think he goes back to darla every night and cries
1: a little (laughs) probably i i think he's probably getting darla ready to explore some new walking paths in another city because uh
0: wipes his his tears with with darla's big with with her
1: flappy ears (laughs) (laughs) um no, but like free agent wise, like obviously Lucic has impressed. Obviously JVR is impressed, and and it's not that Geeky hasn't impressed. It's just that he hasn't pressed. I don't know what the what the right phrasing is, but he I, you don't even notice him when he's out there, honestly. And uh, he, I mean, he's not a guy that I was expecting necessarily a lot out of, but I know that he had a lot to say. Um, when he was in Seattle last year about how he was upset with his lack of minutes and he wanted a bigger role and here he is in Boston and um, I don't know what line he was on in Seattle and it's not like he's a you know a first or second line player here, but he has a, a, a fairly a fairly big role on that third line and maybe it's because he's not playing center maybe it's because they moved him to wing but you know he definitely hasn't done anything to stand out which is so interesting because we've been talking about how good Frederick is playing we've been talking about how good pacho has been playing and the third person on that line is Morgan geeky. And he just hasn't really done anything. <laughs> yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. I think, I think that's probably a fair assessment of the free agents. Um, nobody, nobody has been terrible. It's also but, game 2 though. So like, Geeky
1: right, right. could go out and get a hat trick next game front, and
0: oh my god, he's a best three game streak of his career like, you know. That's just Yeah, Geeky could have seven points in his next three and then we, if we Giki look He has like seven
1: points in his next three games. I will get his face tattooed on my ass.
0: You know what I was thinking the other day? Um, Giki and I, I should be looking at it closer. I just haven't really looked. <laughs> but there you go. G- but Giki uh, when he was in Seattle, he had that pink tinted visor. So I'm wondering if he carried that over to Boston. I haven't noticed it, oh, but yeah. but it's not like the pink visor went with any Seattle colors. So no,
1: that's a that's a concussion visor. Oh, is it really? Yeah, yeah. It's it's for um. I thought this uh, dude just had his visor tinted pink. No, oh man. I okay. I don't know the exact. Uh, reason for what it's for, but I swear to God, I remember reading about players who have a history of concussion. Uh, like like um symptoms. I don't know what the raising against Are players who have had a lot of concussions? They've been wearing this visor with a pink tint in it because it helps kind of uh mitigate the the lights that are in the arena and the reflection off the ice, and it just it it helps, and uh, it's popular among players who have had a lot of concussions. And um, I remember hearing about that last year because he's not the only player to wear it. I don't think they were talking about Morgan Geeky wearing it, though. And for all I know, I could be wrong. And he could just be wearing a pink visor because he likes the color pink. Tough guys wear pink. But uh, I do know for a fact that there was a visor that people were wearing last year that had a pink tint because it helped with concussion-like symptoms.
0: Huh. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get some uh, photos from him in these early two games but there's literally none. Oh, there's one. Uh It oh, doesn't I look f- like it doesn't look like he is.
1: Okay, um oh, come on, hang on. I got to uh turn off my ad blocker, but there's a whole article here about Morgan Geeky's um pink visor from when he was in seattle and you can definitely see it actually because it's not like it's like matte pink it's clear but when you look at it from the right angle it definitely looks pink oh my god seattle times why do you gotta bombard me with notifications when i'm just trying to read a single article um (laughs) hang on um i'm trying to find where they mention it in the article um Okay, it says, Geeky recently debuted a pink-hued tinted visor when he returned from an upper body injury. He said he's looking for workarounds for an eye condition. He said, quote, I tried the smoky tint visor in Anaheim, and Lars hit me. Referring to Kraken defenseman Adam Larson in a collision that caused him to miss three games. He said, it's supposed to be the same thing. It's just, instead of it being so dark, it's pink, and there's no glare from the lights. It works really well and definitely helps my eye. So it sounds like he was wearing it because he had uh, issues with his eyes following a big hit. So maybe it, maybe, maybe it was a temporary thing. Maybe he's not wearing it anymore. But Because I, I remember hearing about that. I forgot all about it until this very minute where you just said that he was wearing a pink Pfizer. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, I'm about to sneeze. I think it would clash with the Centennial jerseys, though, if he was wearing a pink, pink jersey with that cream-colored uh, third jersey they had the other day. I bet yeah. you JVR can pull it off, though.
0: Yeah, JVR can pull
1: off anything, dude. He has green He's tape. Great. JVR is the man. I bet you JVR has a Chris Davis jersey. I. Oh, we should make that and just send it to him. <laughs> you would, you would <laughs> be, be so famous. Auto, you autograph it,
0: too. <laughs> and send him, like, a little note.
1: Yeah, no. Oh, Davis, Davis can send a picture to JVR of, of himself wearing JVR's jersey. And Davis would like, oh, this is... This is the guy from the first – the only guy in the re- – I just looked up, but I saw him wearing my jersey. I know who this is. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> that would be too funny.
1: But um, shout
0: out to memes. Again, follow them on Twitter at BigBadBeesMemes. But the next question comes in from Jason Larade. You can follow him on Twitter at caper underscore J. He said – oh, wow. This ties into what we were just talking about. He said, am I the only one that has been more impressed with Lauco than Geeky? I think I'd rather give him a shot in the top six, maybe a new checkmate line. His speed and forechecking would go perfectly with his fellow countrymen. So I agree with the first statement. Lauko has definitely been more impressive than Geeky. But do you want to mix up that fourth line and move the you know move and away from and Lucic?
1: No, I agree. It, and it's not even just for that reason. But what did he say to put him on a t- on one of the top two lines? Top six i mean
0: i don't know he, about top six.
1: yeah so he would either be taking what uh de or um pasta spot and not even in the sense of like that is an obvious downgrade but also i just i just don't think that lauco's skills translate to a top six player i think we were just talking about players who are really good in their roles like lauco is fast as hell and he draws penalties and he mucks it up around the net but he's not going to go out there and help drive the offense of a line, which is what you expect from guys in your top six. I just don't think he's that kind of player on par on top of you don't want to break up that fourth line on top of you don't want to bump Dabrowski or pasta down to a third line position, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I'm with you on that one, too. So shout out to Jason again. Follow him on Twitter at caper underscore J. Thank you for the question. Um, this comes in from Grace. Uh, follow her on Twitter at grobs underscore Boston. Shout out to all goals, no misses. But she said, and this is more of a comment than a question, but she said, I would commit heinous crimes to keep pointy-toity on the Bruins, a.k.a. Matt Potra. Um, what does that even mean? <laughs> at, <clears throat> if he continues to you know play this way, absolutely. 100%. Let him thrive in Boston. And if the team keeps winning, too, then why not? If the team keeps winning, why send him back? Even if he might not be lighting up the stat sheet, if they're winning, then then again, what are you going to do? Put Heinen in there?
1: Yeah. No. You would. No. And even like I'm thinking about from like a from a fan perspective, too, like, I was fully expecting this season cuz like Twitter is so great when uh, when the season's going on cuz like everybody like all of us Bruins fans are together collectively tweeting like it's the Super Bowl every single right. game. <laughs> awesome. Right. And you miss that so much during the off season. And like the whole offseason, I was mentally and physically preparing myself for the start of the season and just having Twitter be a really depressing space cuz everybody was going to be talking about Bergeron isn't here and we miss Bergeron and Bergeron would have had that and Bergeron this and Bergeron that. I like, I don't think I've seen a single tweet about Bergeron because everybody is so caught up with Matthew Potra. And right. I think like, obviously his play on the ice is, For every reason, this is a guy you want to stick around in the Bruins. But like, I'm thinking of secondary reasons, and and Twitter is a happier place, and I enjoy much more tweeting about Matthew Potra being here than I do about Patrice Bergeron not being here. And I feel like it's honestly helped me cope with Bergeron a little bit because I was prepared to just be, you know, excited the Bruins back and celebrate this season. But also in the back of my head, I always feel like you know this player that I've watched since I was five years old is no longer on the team anymore but it hasn't even really crossed my mind because i've been so enamored with the play of matthew patra
0: yeah yeah no exactly um but the next question comes in from our boy tommy bennett shout out running with the devils hey shout Um, out tommy shout out tommy you can follow tommy on twitter at tj bennett three t's 37 tommy
1: tommy and i in our fantasy hockey league did you see the trade that we've been trying to muster through here no, what is it? So Tommy obviously is a huge Devils fan, and uh, I think I had the uh, I had like this there ten we're in a ten team league, and I think I had like the seventh pick, and with my first round pick I took Jack Hughes. Not expecting to trade him, but I also in the back of my head was like, oh man, I know Tommy's really gonna want this guy because he's a huge Devils fan. Yeah, and uh, he sent me a trade for for Jack Hughes, which I don't remember who was in it. It was I remember Crosby was in it. Um like his worst defenseman who we just dropped yesterday. And I yeah. probably thought I didn't see that, but I saw that. <laughs> and then, uh, and then somebody else, I don't remember, but it was highlighted by Sidney Crosby and going back to him was Jack Hughes. And I was like, nah, I could squeeze more out of you. So I sent him back a trade and it was, uh, it was, I think it was Mcachuck Sidney Crosby, Quinn Hughes, and uh, shit. Somebody else pretty nice for like, Jack Hughes and Ricard Raquel or something, <laughs> and he turned it down. And then messages in the Slack, like, "Dude, what the hell is wrong with like, you?" Like he thought I was gonna accept that. I was <laughs> like I'm just, I know you want him. I'm just trying to squeeze what I can out of you. <laughs> yeah, I just I wanted it. to add that, but shout out Tommy.
0: Um, oh shit! Hang on a second. <laughs> Hang on, I lost this question. Okay, here it is. Um. What do you think are some good line combos to help increase even strength scoring going forward? So I I don't think you touch the fourth line. I think the fourth line remains yeah. the same. Maybe you move. <sighs> would you move Patra to the second and Coil to the third, and maybe because <sighs> I like JVR Zaka and Pasta,
1: <laughs> I don't. I don't know, cause I, <laughs> I honestly don't know if I would do anything. <laughs> like, I really like the lines right now. I do too, but I do think
0: that they could be, they could benefit from getting more five-on-five goals.
1: Yeah. Um.
0: I don't know. Would you put Would you put Pasta and Marshawn back together, or do you think that would? kind of... No,
1: because you know I would mean, leave you too top-heavy. Top, too top-heavy, I think, yeah. I'm trying to think... I'm trying to get creative. Like, if you could... uh Like, if you did touch the fourth line and you sent Beecher down, put Geeky on the fourth line... You sent Beecher to Providence? In, yeah. And then sign Heinen, put him on the left wing so your third line is <laughs> Heinen, Heinen. If your third line is Heinen, Patra... And Frederick, your fourth line is Lucic, Geeky, and uh Lauco. I don't know if I love that. No, I mean I don't I wouldn't touch the lines at all. I like the lines right now. Well, I think but, really the only thing you can do, because you, you can't you can't move, you know, put pasta and marsh on the first line because yeah, that gives you a great first line, but your second line kind of sucks. Like hate to say it. And uh, like really the only other thing I think you could do that could make sense is put I feel like flip. Patra and Coil, but I don't know if that's I feel like that's a lateral step, if anything. I don't think that that's a step forward.
0: Well, there were some new lines of practice. Uh, So they are, I think Montgomery is trying to shake it up a little bit just to see what kind of works and what maybe can pop off a little bit. So he switched it up this way. First line of DeBrusque, Zaka, Pasta. Pretty
1: good. I like it.
0: <laughs> second line, <laughs> second line, Marson, Patra, Geeky. Maybe I try to it. get, maybe try it. to get Geeky
1: going a little like, bit. I don't like Geeky on that second line right wing at all.
0: <laughs> but like we were saying, he could get seven points in the next three Wait, games. Wh- where's Pasta? First line.
1: Oh, duh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was like, are you saying Pasta's on the third line? I forgot you no. said his name already. <laughs> And then third line JVR Coil Frederick. That line could bang. I yeah, actually no, that I would actually be,
1: really like that line. That would be a good, you know, that would be a good line. I just I don't like
0: geeky on the second line right wing. And I think that's where the Bruins are going to run into their biggest problem this year. It's that it's that it's the secondary wing scoring winger outside of Marshawn Pasta DeBrusque. I think that's what they were hoping from JVR, which he's he's been doing but you're running for a
1: game right yeah
0: (laughs) right (laughs) that's where you're running into five five on five goal scoring I don't want to say issues because we are two games into the season but
1: trends that you can improve on yeah it would be big if um... what if you what if you flipped um, Frederick and geeky
0: put Frederick on the second
1: yeah, put Frederick on the second line left wing and then bump DeBrusque over to the to the right wing position.
0: Marshawn, Potra, Frederick could... I mean, you saw Potra and Frederick connect on a couple goals of their preseason and they played well so far this year too. I don't hate that. And then you can go JVR, Coyle, Geeky.
1: Yeah. I like that a lot. And that third, line would be, that third line would be huge too. Yeah. And well, the best third line center
0: in the league, Charlie. Go yeah. He goes back to his natural position.
1: How do I? Yeah. Do you have Jim Montgomery's email? Uh, <laughs> let me check my. Hang on. Jay, Jay Montgomery at yahoo.com. Jay Montgomery at, <laughs> Jay Montgomery <laughs> at hotmail.
0: <laughs> actually, actually, no, he uses AOL.
1: <laughs> no what? wonder why he hasn't been responding to my emails yeah yeah yeah. you just have don't you just have the wrong address That's, i've been I'm sending sure. him line combinations since last season <laughs> <laughs> have
0: you seen new girl when uh um uh, is it schmidt i think it's schmidt right when he he emails um oh what's that famous actor he, he he's sending emails back and forth for years denzo washington no, God damn it I'm not gonna remember off the top of my head but it's like a whole thing of like someone like like another character is on the other end pretending to be the famous
1: actor like emailing back to Schmidt and like I think I've only missed like the last couple of seasons I feel like I've seen that
0: yeah it was an it was an early season episode but that's basically what you are to Jim Montgomery right now <laughs>
1: I want to... Oh shit now it's gonna bother me so I'm trying to look it up
0: yeah no I'm trying to find it um it's the um,
1: uh, I don't know, I don't know, yeah, whatever, whatever.
0: Someone will answer for us. Uh, oh, Michael Keaton, it's Michael Keaton. Oh, yeah, him? oh, and, yeah. No, and it
1: was, uh, and it It was, um, what's his name, Nick? Is it Nick? It was, yeah, it was Nick the whole time, yeah, yep. yeah, that's funny. Of all acted, that's, that's that's you with Montgomery, bro. but. <laughs> Um, yeah I've actually been just here. sending them to your, your inbox this whole time
0: yeah yeah, it's actually me answering on the other line <laughs> um. <laughs> oh we just got our first uh, spank bank of the week uh, we? nomination we did shout out to Tommy for sending it there you um, go. hang on so let's see sorry I'm responding to Tommy right now um, and then I'll read the next
1: question Sorry, take your time. Oh, I will. Do, 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 do. Wait, was it in the was it in the doubles game? Was it Jackie? Tampa
0: Hughes? Bay Tampa Bay and Philly. Ew, that was gross. It was a penalty shot for Sean Couturier. Wait, um, what did, what account did he tag? He uh, he tagged me and you. Oh, um nice. So let's let's go back. So hashtag spank bank of the week. We got our first nomination is Sean Couturier. Shout out Tommy Bennett. Oh, did um, you see that that penalty
1: shot goal? Um, oh shit! No, was it like <laughs> Kuznetsov or somebody on the Caps the other night? Oh yeah, yeah, Kuznetsov with the slow mo. What did you think about that? Because I saw a lot of people divided. Some people were saying that this is like okay. dumb as hell, and that's like against hockey code. And other people were like, "This is no. a disgusting goal."
0: I think it's stupid that people get mad about that. I mean, it's it's his thing. Why not? It's allowed. Do it. I, my problem is with the shootout. I fucking hate the shootout.
1: No, I. I mean, I. Uh, I think it's pretty electric. I've I've always been a fan of the shootout, although I totally understand. I totally understand why people don't like it. I feel like uh it's it's unfair It's unfair to a good game if it ends in a shootout instead of having the guys just keep playing, but uh I mean, at some time you know at some point bedtime's come and it's time for the kids to go home and you gotta right. have the game end.
0: How about this then? Do a seven minute three on three overtime. You don't even have to go to ten. Do a seven-minute three-on-three. Those extra two minutes could benefit a lot. If at that time still nobody scored, then do a shootout. Whatever. I just hate when
1: games end in that fashion. You hate that it ends in a in a one-on-o competition, or you or you hate the the penal, the shootout specifically because what if they did? Each team sent out their biggest guy, center ice. They dropped the mitts and fought. In- we would be undefeated. We have Luch. I know. Dude, did you see Wi-Fi against, um, against yes. Ryan Reeves the other night? Yes. yes. That was amazing. I hate the Montreal Canadiens, but I'm a huge fan of Wi-Fi. What? How do you yeah. say it? Shaka? How do you say his last name? Not even close. Jack-Eye. Jack eye all right whatever but uh, <laughs> no I, I thought it, it, it if you haven't seen it Ryan Reeves went in and just obliterated some guy from behind on yep. uh on uh, Montreal and uh, Wi-Fi went in there and answered the call and just and just like came in and and beat the shit like sucker like not sucker punched him but came in and wailed on him from from like the side of his face and then manhandled him and threw him over the net on the ground and was beating the sh- like i've don't think i've ever seen anybody take it to ryan reeves like that no and then after the game when ryan reeves was like yeah you know i mean he just no he he came up and, and just he like just kinda, he said he, he jumped him yeah he's like he came up from behind i didn't even see him and he jumped me and you know I don't think I've ever been jumped in my entire life, you know. So, and it was like, you, you're Ryan Reeves. Are are you kidding me? You're a bit of a scumbag yourself. I, I'm sure if we were to go through Ryan Reeves' history, I'm sure you can find a handful of situations where he's jumped a guy like that. He just didn't like it that this guy, who's like eight years younger than him, put him on his ass and flipped him over the crossbar,
0: dude. But in the Atlantic Division. There's a lot of heavyweights. You got sure. Ryan Reeves. You got Arbor Jacki. You got Milan Lucic. You got uh, Tanner Genot. Um Trying to think of does uh, Brady Kachuk, Matthew Kachuk. What the f- what are we watching the UFC or are we watching the <laughs> NHL? What the hell?
1: Honestly, it, it makes me happy too because uh, I feel like the, the 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 game's obviously been changing in the last decade or so. Players yeah. are getting more skilled. Players are getting faster. And uh, you've seen a significant drop in fights and like the the age of the enforcers, like they were almost becoming a dying breed um, where you just didn't see your, you know, your typical, your stereotypical hockey class of the enforcer anymore. But guys like, how do you say it? Jack eye? Jack eye. I always just call it Wi-Fi. But guys like him, I mean, Ryan Reeves was a little more skilled in a a, a past life. But guys like these guys, or even like your your guys like your kachucks who can go out and they can light the lamp and they can pound your face in. Or even a guy like Ovechkin who's not going to drop the gloves, but he can put you through the glass. Like... Now you're starting to see some of these players who are insanely skilled, but they can also beat the shit out of you with a couple of, you know, true blooded enforcers mixed in in between. But the fact that all these guys were in the Atlantic Division and all these guys are on teams that hate each other Boston, Toronto, Montreal. Now Florida and Boston have a bit of a history from last year. Ottawa, they don't have much going for them right now, except for they got one of the Kachuk brothers and he can make some noise as well. Like you have these guys who are going to go out and just start wailing on one another. And I love it because it makes these rivalries and these, uh, hop these these high pressure games that were already high pressure because they're rivals in a division. Now you have these true heavyweights that are gonna go after one another. That first yeah. game, Toronto and Boston, Ryan Reeves, Milan Lucic, book it, baby, it's happening. Oh yeah,
0: oh yeah, we gotta get tickets to that game too because that's gonna be a hell of a fucking night. Oh yeah, there's a squad going too, and we gotta be part of that. But um. Oh, yeah let's see we only got a couple questions left here we'll get through them real quick um this question comes in from brew crew uh you can follow them at brew crew 16 they said what problems for the lineup does an early west coast trip create time zone differences start time fluctuations roster construction on back-to-backs
1: i think the only problem it creates is that as fans (laughs) i can't i can't watch the game like i think i think uh i mean i I've already went on a huge tangent about why I hate West Coast road trips, but I think honestly the fact that it's happening so early in the season helps. Like if this was in the middle of the season, like dog days of the season, or God forbid, like a couple weeks heading into the the um, the playoffs, and now you got to go out on a West Coast trip and have all these late games, that would suck. Yeah. But I mean, the the season started a week ago. Everybody still has fresh legs. They're rested. Everything's okay. Line, I mean, lines are flowing everybody's got some energy, adrenaline pumping through their veins. This is the time to have a West Coast road trip. As a fan, I hate it because I want to watch these games. But I think as a player, if you have to go out West for an extended amount of time and have these late games, I would think that this would be the time you would want to do it.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I think think really the only challenge would be the young guys, right? Guys like Patra, guys like Beecher, kind of getting used to that all of a sudden, time zone difference. Um, you're flying out to California, playing a later game. Your body's probably not used to it. So probably just more of a challenge for those guys just to get their bodies right and get their bodies kind of uh, configured to that kind of a road
1: trip. Even like the, like the level of travel too because – like I don't, I don't know. How, like when in, in Providence, like you play everybody, right? Like Johnny Beecher was flying to play the San Jose Barracudas and shit. Like at least he has that cross country travel. But I, I'm not familiar with the OHL. I I don't think that they travel that far. But for a guy like Matt Potra, like this might be his first experience hopping on a plane and flying seven hours and then playing a hockey game like that. Right, I right. think would be a challenge for a 19 year old kid. So I think the young guys definitely might. um you know, might get sl- slow feet, maybe get out to a slow start against uh, LA on Thursday. But like I said, I think that if you're going to have a West coast road trip as a fan, you hate it at the beginning of the year. Cause all I want to do is watch my team. I haven't watched them in five months, but yeah. I think I, as a, as a player, like you look at the calendar and okay, you got to go out West. Let's get it in the beginning of the season, fresh legs, get it over with, and then we're good to go.
0: Yep. Um. So shout out to brew crew again, follow them on Twitter at brew crew 16. This next question comes in from our boy, Ian Kennedy. Uh, follow him on Twitter at Kennedy I57. What do you think the biggest improvement will be from changing from the, the changing of the four forward lines? And also, will we eventually see Mitchell get some ice time over Forbert in the near
1: future? I still don't think that they're going to those lines that they had in practice. Do you think they're going to use those? I think so. Okay. I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't know if I have an answer for that. I don't know what the lines are going to look like. I th- I thought that the lines were fine the last two games. I know that they had a. I mean, it's not like they had they had struggled to score either. I mean, they put up three right. goals in back to back games. I don't like they got shut out or anything like that. But I don't know. I think that the season is so young and we have so many new faces in the locker room. I really don't know what you're going to get from mixing lines together. But I think you're at a point in the season right now. It's still so early. Why not try some different line combinations and see what can happen?
0: Yeah. Um, yeah I mean I don't know maybe maybe you can see Geeky get going a little bit maybe get a little more ice time get a little more confidence um, but I don't know I'm, I'm not sure you're going to see too much of a difference um, and also with Mitchell I hope you see him over Forbert maybe for a game or two just to kind of see what that looks like with him integrated in a lineup maybe throw him on a power play too um, but I don't know we'll see um Let's jump over here now. I believe we have one more question um, as I pull it up. Yep. All right. So the last question of the night comes in from our guy, Brian. You can follow him on Twitter at TTM Brian, ho- host of the Voice of Pats Nation podcast here on the Primetime Productions Network. Him and Megan. Him and Megan, two legends. Um, but he has a question. I got a question. <laughs> Has Patra done enough to stay with the big boys?
1: I definitely think so. Yeah. yeah. I definitely yeah. think so. We we mentioned it earlier. The only thing that – I mean I think he's sticking around. The only thing that I'm looking for – well, I'm looking for a lot of things. I'm not phrasing this right. But one thing I am going to be paying attention to as the season progresses is as a 19-year-old kid – playing you know heavy minutes for an nhl club what's it going to look like when you hit game 60 is he going to hit that wall because we've heard players tell stories in the past about how you know you you prepare yourself your whole life to getting to the nhl you prepare yourself for the speed of the game the physicality of the game everything but one thing you can really never prepare yourself for is is the the torment that an nhl season puts on your body because you just you can't prepare for that if you've never done it so you know uh, a small kid, light kid, getting his shit beat out of him in the face off, thought every night. And I don't mean that like he's getting it physically taken to him, but he's involved in every single play as soon as the puck drops. You have to think that at some point this year, if he plays, uh, you know, if he sticks around with the club, that's going to catch up to him at some point. So that'll be what I'm looking for because we've already mentioned as well what I think is one of the hallmarks of this team is their depth. And if he's sticking around as your third line center, or if they, pr- if they promote him to the second line center, you're going to need consistent production out of him. And I don't know if they can afford for Matthew Potra to hit a wall come game 55 or 60, where he's just exhausted at the extent of a long season, not even including when they make it, if they make it to the playoffs. So that's what I'd be looking for. But I definitely think he's done enough to stick around in the big club.
0: Yeah, I think uh, through these first two games, if he continues to play the way that he has, I think he's done enough. Um, obviously, there's still seven games left in this nine-game trial, so we'll get a little bit more of a better idea. But um, we, 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 we'll see what happens. Um, as long as he continues to play and just continues to gain confidence throughout these next couple games, um, I think he'll be good. But if I had to make a decision right now based on everything, i say yes, he's done enough. But Hey, that was the DMs. Uh, so shout out to you guys for sending them in. Please keep firing them in. Uh, season is well underway at this point. So let's fucking go. Uh, the team is looking good. You got depth everywhere. Defense is looking pretty solid. I think you're going to see Lori at some point. I think you're going to see Mitchell at some point. Jeremy Swayman and Linus Hallmark doing you know their thing. Being the two best goalies in the damn league to ever do it. So... Um, yeah, I mean, these next couple games, um, by the next time that we record an episode, the Boston Bruins will have played, um, let's see here. They would have played four games. All right. So we got, by the time we're recording next, we got a Sharks game, a Kings game, a Ducks game, and then a Blackhawks game again. Um, you want to do a quick little four game prediction real quick, real quick
1: real quick yeah let's see um, alright okay. Bru- ready Bruins Sharks tomorrow night 10 nothing win <laughs> oh they play the Sharks on Thursday I thought it was the Kings no it's sh- the Sharks The Kings is Saturday dude I've been off my rocker all episode they're playing the Sharks <laughs> realistically um, I'm going to say 4 nothing win I'm going to say 4-2 to alright I see you don't have any faith in their goalies
0: <laughs> alright Bruins Kings <laughs>
1: Bruins Kings. I'm going to say that they lose three to two, and um, I'm going to say that they lose three to two because it's the second game of a road trip. I think that's when the cross country travel will catch up to them. Also, I'm really eyeing the Kings this year. I think it's going to be a hard fought game. So they're not going to win every game. I'm going to say four
0: to three overtime loss. Okay. No. Yeah, four to three overtime loss. Hey, they get uh, a point out of that. First. You look, your face, you look so mad every for a second. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I'm looking at the schedule. I'm like, they can't start the season six and oh, like they're gonna lose it, like one of these. I mean, <laughs> 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 my mind is still stuck on last year. I'm like, I'm looking at the because we did the previews last year too, and ev- literally everyone was like, win, win, win. Oh, I and know. I, I feel like I'm still stuck in that mentality, but I'll, I'll say four to four to three overtime loss. Um or it's spite me it'll be a shootout loss.
1: Um Wait, what was what was the Bruins record in the preseason, do you remember? No, I don't. Oh, for for this year? Yeah, yeah. 2-2 two, two, and 2. Listen, listen. <laughs> if the Bruins win every single game this year and they go 82 and 0, and then they sweep their way to a Stanley Cup final, between the preseason, regular season, and the in the Stanley Cup playoffs, that would be a hundred wins for the centennial season. It would be. <laughs> Listen, I'm not. Here, is betting, it written in the stars? I'm ah, I'm looking out the window. I, I'm, not, I'm not. Oh, yeah, there it is. A uh, uh, place a bet on a Bruins hundred win season. <laughs> 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 Take all the money out of your uh, college fund and put it in the Bruins having a hundred
0: wins in this calendar year. <laughs> <laughs> Quadruple your money. <laughs> there you go. Oh shit! Thank God we're not financial
1: advisors. Oh, uh, I know. Um. So, Bruins ducks. Um. Jesus, dude is is there any good California teams other than the Kings? I'm going to say the Bruins win three to one. I'm going to say the
0: Bruins lose. Five to three to the Ducks. Listen, it's Trevor's I, egress it's, Fuck him. I'm just saying, that's what my gut's telling me right now. He's
1: gonna get, he's gonna get five Michigans. <laughs> 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 Looking um, like Brett and Chell.
0: Yeah, all right. And the last preview Bruins Blackhawks.
1: Um. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Blackhawks three two in overtime. Bruins are definitely the better team, but seeing the same team twice in a couple weeks, like like remember last year when the Bruins played uh Detroit twice in a couple weeks, and the second yes. time they played them, they lost like six to one or whatever the hell it was. Yeah. I mean that that Detroit team I think was better than the Chicago team, but <laughs> no, I'm gonna pick Chicago.
0: I'm gonna say three to two win for the bees. Oh, look at us! All Same right. score, different winners. Hey, so hey, episode sixty three of uh, the Something's Brewing podcast. Thank you guys all for tuning in. Uh, let us know what your four game prediction is. Um, let us know what you think about that. You know, if, if the Bruins added Lucic last year, the deadline, what, would that have made a difference? Would it have not? Um, yeah, let us let us know. Keep us keep us entertained, Mel. You got something to say?
1: I was gonna say we should. Now that the season just started, we should keep track of that all year. When we do yes. our picks, we should keep track of who's winning it, who's got more right. I think yep. that could be fun. Um, could but be. I, also, I also wanted to add: we mentioned it last episode for people to call our voicemail line, and then just never gave you the number. So if you want to call, if you want to call our voicemail line, you can either go to our Twitter account at Brewing Something, and it's list No G, and it's listed in our Twitter bio, or you can just listen to dial, pull out your phone right now. I'll give you a minute okay here you go the phone number is 508 you can call us anytime sun rain sleet snow ice hurricane tornado tsunami. shout out ethan tsunami mudslide apocalypse oh, if the world is ending and the meteor is coming towards us pull out your phone give us a call We'll read your, your your voicemail on our next episode in the afterlife. <laughs> That's how we do things around here. But uh, no. definitely leave us some voicemails because it's always fun when we're able to incorporate those into the episode. Yeah. Um, some of the shit you guys say is just – I just laugh, dude. Like, yeah. what, I think I mentioned it last year, but I'll be at work and uh, – like i'll get a notification like oh somebody left a voicemail i'm like oh, okay let's see what it is and i'll pull it out and it's just like somebody just like waffling on about the bruins and it, it just <laughs> brings a smile to my face every single day so definitely make sure you give us a call um we're still on twitch uh at something's Bruin podcast i don't know if we're still using that now like i know that we use the the primetime productions twitch when we play chow but um our twitch account is still there as well and then quick plug for the the uh, primetime twitch us, me, and Sully, as well as fellows over at Only Bruins, Brett and Boosie, and Marty the Meat Man from uh, Cross Court Connection. The five of us play cross
0: court the- coverage.
1: <laughs> cross court coverage, dude. I'm
0: you are you are you're you're on a different <laughs> planet for this episode tonight.
1: Um. The five of us play ESHL pretty often um, and we don't always stream it, but when we do, we usually stream it on the primetime productions Twitch account, which is at primetime prods. Um, Sometimes we announce beforehand that we're going live tonight. Sometimes we just spontaneously drop the link and say we're live right now. So definitely make sure you look out for that. Cause that is something that you and I have been waiting for, for a long time, to be able to play some NHL with those guys and, it has delivered and then some, I have so much fun and look forward to our streams with those guys every night. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. So, uh, episode 63, of the something's brewing podcast, as always, um, brought to you by the one and only primetime productions network. You can follow them on Twitter at primetime to get the latest updates on all podcasts and articles on our network. Um, you can follow our podcast account on Twitter at brewing something. No G at the end. Uh, you can follow myself on Twitter at underscore Mike Sullivan, and you can follow Mel on Twitter at Nick Melanson underscore. Uh, season is underway. Boston Bruins, your Boston Bruins are undefeated two and zero. An undefeated season is underway. The hundred win season is underway. That's right, um, baby. Milan Lucic back in the black and gold. You got their favorites Johnny Beecher and Matthew Patra in the lineup. Um, Mason Lorai in Providence just waiting. Just 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 sweating it out in Providence. Just, he's licking his lips, waiting to just come up to the big club. He's he's got a spoon and he's just digging at the chains and he's got tie balls. Booming at the mouth,
1: Mason he's Laura. Ready to
0: go, Mason Lori is just jumping at his chance. <laughs> but hey, home for the Boston Bruins. West Coast Road trip coming up. You got Trevor Zegras. you got the Lowly Sharks. You got Connor Bedard again, and you got the highly rated Los Angeles Kings. So it's going to be a good test for Boston. Good test for us. Stay up for those games if you can. I'll be up, Mel. is going to be trying to stay awake, but fighting. I'll be fighting the sleep. <laughs> but hey, episode sixty-three of the Something's Brewing podcast. We'll catch you next week.
2: Destination
1: Bye. unknown
2: New form
1: Like, start singing something so beautiful that you start to cry a little bit. Look at my eyes, (laughs) I'm actually tearing up a little bit from what what I was just singing.
0: (laughs) No, I I, like you get a little lump in your throat. You're like, Oh "Oh, my god, like
1: I actually (laughs) have tears because that was such a beautiful rendition. I just did. (laughs) Holy crap, dude! Sorry, I I need to to gather myself. (laughs) 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 All right, I'm good to go.
0: What is up, everybody,
1: and welcome back to the show. Yar. <laughs> <laughs> we should talk with an Australian accent. Ew, y- Hello, everyone. Hi, welcome back to the show. Today, or something's boring.
0: <laughs> Hi, crikey, mate. Welcome back to Something's Brewing Podcast, episode 63.
1: 63.
2: 63. <laughs> <laughs> the episode. around my, <laughs> my Got me believe one day you gotta come through, lost in these city lights. Cause I can't sleep tonight. Where are you now? Where are you now? Hey, it's been too long, too long ago, my love. Where did we go wrong? It's too late to turn around. Where are you now? Where are you now? Hey, it's been too long. you are just like my favorite song going round, round my